We are uh, uh, delighted to, to be with you guys and to be able to share just a little bit. This is going to be informal. We're going to share a bit from God's Word and then go on and do a few different things. But uh, James did this a little bit this morning, but I'd love to ask if everyone could stand. I know. It's like, really? We've got to stand, sit down, stand up, sit down. Now, remain standing if you have been a part of East Bay Faith Center slash Heart of the Bay Christian Center for more than five years. Would you remain standing? All right. If you've been around, what? Yeah, if you've been around for more than 10 years, would you remain standing? All right. More than 15 years, remain standing. More than 20 years, remain standing. How about more than 25? More than, more than 25 years. Okay, now you guys should probably just look around real quick and see some of these people that have been with you for a quarter of a century. Wait, nope, not done. 25. We got any 30 years? You've been around Heart of the Bay, East Bay Faith Center for more than 30 years? Wow. More than, more than 35 years? Wow. Since the very beginning, the dawn of time, before the dinosaurs. Oh, <laughs> the Marquezes. The, the Paints. Yeah. Yeah, Tony. Jimmy, absolutely. Amazing. All right. That's fantastic. Can we give it up for them? That's amazing. There's that old uh, African uh, proverb that goes a little bit something like this, right? If you want to go fast, go slow. No, go alone. <laughs> if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. That's the one. You knew it. You knew it. <laughs> and there's a, lot of, there's a lot of truth in that, right? That um, we've been around a little bit now kind of in life and ministry, and we've seen a lot of people blow up and burn out. It's kind of sad. You might see that culturally right now, a lot of churches and things, and it's been, it's been hard to see that. We've seen some of our friends that have blown up or burnt out and churches that haven't gone on, and uh, sometimes that's down to just a, a lack of character, a lack of leadership. I'm kind of that isolated leader, and um, the great thing about here is you've got leaders here, and I, we have parents here that, that don't lead in isolation, but they lead in community together with all of you. And so as much as this, this is their story, it's your story. As much as it's celebration of them, it's celebration of what God has ultimately done here, what he's continuing to do, and what he will do. And be remiss, again, just to, you know, Pastor Nancy, Pastor Tom, Pastor Kim, uh, Jane, the, the entire staff here, Michelle. I mean, not, it, it, it's so much more than, you know, thanking them for this event, which has been awesome. Uh, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes, but it's about these faithful years of incredible service. You know, I'm someone who's, by God's calling and choice, we've, we've, we've gone. We've, we've, worked, we've served at a lot of different churches and have done a few different things. And it is a rarity in this day and age to journey far together in community, in a family, uh, towards the same direction. And the amount of sacrifice and obedience and diligent service uh, on this team is unparalleled. It's quite, it's quite amazing. Uh, and especially in this current day and age. Um, I'm currently reading a book. Uh, it's called The Resilient Pastor. Because I want to be a resilient pastor, as my parents are resilient pastors, as they've shown us the way of faithful obedience. And as I've said, we've seen a lot of blow-ups blow and burnout, and so this book has been really good, and it's really spoken to our soul. And when I read it, I often think about the story of my parents and their faithfulness and their obedience to follow after God and His calling. Um, but it's a, it's a tough time sometimes for pastors. We see a lot, not just pastors, but Christianity in general, where it used to be maybe at the center of society. 
you, you probably feel this in your own person, personhood, right? In your own life, in your relationships, where it used to be at the center. We used to build towns, and the church was in the center, like physically in the center, where it, it's, it's kind of moved to the fringe a little bit, where we've seen the church has been like highly regarded and respected. It's often now been in low regard and has been disrespected and um, leading, if you've led anything through the, the, the pandemic, I mean, leading a, a church, an organization, your family, yourself, your personhood has been really, really difficult. And so this book talks a lot about recapturing the, the high calling, the vocation of a pastor and some of the practices of the pastor. And it kind of paints this picture for what the state of pastorhood has looked like over the last dec- decade or so. And there was a survey that was conducted by the Barner Group and they asked well over 2,500 pastors, and they found an anonymous survey. They found that um, three out of 10, so over 30% of pastors answered yes to this question. If you could quit your profession and go do anything else, would you go and do it? Think think about that, 30%. Think about how many of our churches are in America, and if 30% of their lead pastors just walked away, not walked away to a different church down the street, not walked away to a different place, but just completely walked away. And it speaks to the... um, the grind of what it is to, to lead. It speaks to the grind of what it is to follow after God's calling in your life. So this is an absolute rarity and a gift to have um, not just my, my parents, but a whole staff and a team here that have committed with faithful obedience for 40 years plus, And it's really laid the template for Lindy and I, for who we want to be, for how we want to lead. It's been a model for, for us, not only like in our vocation, but how we want to lead our, our family and our kids. And we just want to, again, publicly say thank you so much for the model of faithful service, for what it means to follow and pursue Jesus, for what it means to have that um, long obedience in the same direction. You could have done other stuff. You're very smart. You, you both. Could have, but 40 years in one place faithful service. You know, this book talks about the crisis of, of pastors and they kind of ask this question of helping to redefine what is a pastor? What is a pastor? We can say lots of different things and you might answer in that in different ways. You could say a pastor is somebody who has the, the skills of communication. Totally. A pastor is somebody who knows how to lead and organize teams all day long. But I was really struck by how they sort of recategorize and define what a pastor is. And it says this, a pastor is one who pays attention to God at work. That's important. How many times have you maybe wanted to have your own idea or your own thought or how do you get out of this situation? But my dad has modeled this faithfully. My mom has modeled this faithfully. I only do what I see my father doing and I go and do that. So I watch where God's at work and I go and do that. So a pastor is one who pays attention to God at work in the particular people at the particular place that God has called them to. Pastoral work is local and personal and slow. (laughs) Pastoral work is local and personal and slow. My parents have had a tremendous teaching gift. We've all benefited from that, right? I love watching that video. I can't wait to get the file of that and post that on social media. This is is awesome. Look at all the hairdos. This is amazing. This is incredible. but, you know, you don't come just to, to hear the word, right? We don't, that, that's not it. I mean, how many of you, your lives have been touched by personal visits, by bedside conversations, gravesides? You know, the amount of times when I call my dad, what are you doing? Well, I'm driving to a funeral. I'm driving to, pastoral work is personal. And pastoral work is local. And to be able to do that, that long obedience in the same direction for 40 years is a gift, it is a rarity, 
And it is an absolute joy to do that in a place together where you feel called. And where you're called, you're equipped. And so how do you do that? How have you done that? Can't wait till you write the, the book on it someday and share, share that all with us. But just my own observation, like how, how do you do that? So yes, there's gifting. Yes, there's, there's calling. There's ingenuity. There's bold decisions. I mean, we're in this facility because of, of a, bold, a bold decision. Um, but, you know, the, the shepherd, the, she, the sheep don't exist for the shepherd. Do you know what I mean? The sheep don't exist for the shepherd. The shepherd exists for the sheep. Amen. And they have shown what it means to exist in faithful service for the, for the sheep. As under-shepherds of the high shepherd, or yes. Jesus who is the shepherd. They, the sheep don't exist for the shepherd. The shepherd exists for the, for the sheep. And so how do you do that? How do you have that view? And how do you have that priority? You can have all the degrees and all the experience and everything else. But what we've seen, what I've seen, what I commend you for, is, is simply this. When you don't know the answer... I've taught this and, and, you know, know this from children's church all, the day, all day long in, in church and school. But you don't know the answer. The answer is, is Jesus. Yeah. It's simply that. <laughs> it's making much of Jesus. We kind of, we like to overcomplicate it. You know, I'm weird. Uh, I'm a church kind of like a gym rat, like a church rat. Like Lindy knows, I go come home from church and then I watch all of my friends' YouTube church. I, I, I read all the books on church. I listen to my dad and I. We talk about all the different podcasts on church. And it's kind of this weird thing. It's like, you know, it's, it's, it's church and, and sports and all this, other, all this other stuff. But at the end of the day, it, it's really as simple as this. At the end of the day, it's making much of Jesus. Making much of Jesus. Who was it? Jonathan Edwards, that famous revivalist preacher that said, you know, all that I do is I, is I fill myself up with the Holy Spirit and I, and I light myself on fire and others come and watch me burn. <laughs> that was it. That's the strategy. I just petition myself before the Holy Spirit. Fill me, anoint me, fill me, send me, and others will come and experience that as we make much about Jesus. One of my uh, favorite books of the New Testament is Hebrews. I love it. I love it. It's interesting because a lot of the books we know who wrote it and we know who they wrote it to because they'll open it up to, you know, I, Paul, to the church and church in Galatia or whatever. Hebrews doesn't really open up that way. We think it's attributed to Paul just because of the voice and the theology that's behind. But we don't know exactly who wrote it, but we do have a sense of why they wrote it. They wrote it to a community that was going through a lot of dysfunction. They wrote it to a community of some who were new Gentile believers who now were being absolutely persecuted. They were being ripped from their homes. There was a, a tremendous amount of real physical persecution that was going on. And then there were those that were the Jewish believers that had come into the faith that said yes to Jesus. And they were beginning to wonder and doubt, like, is this really worth it? Is it really worth it? You know, we, we've got these Gentile believers who aren't doing the thing that, that, we're, that we, we think they're supposed to do. They're not obeying the law of Moses in the way that, we're suppo- that we, we thought we were supposed to. And, and they're starting to wonder, like, is it really worth it? Have you ever wondered that before? Is it really worth it? Have you ever wondered that before? Probably not. <laughs> is, it really, is it really worth it? And so what do you do when you have that wondering and when you have that question? Well, the book of Hebrews is this amazing template for us because it's, it gives us two things. It gives us for, first an exhortation and then it gives us a command. And the exhortation, again, it's not about listen to this podcast, do this thing, follow this, all these instructions. It's make the most of who Jesus is. Amen. That's it. That's it. It's beautiful. They go through 
everything that they would have understood about their, their Jewish faith and how Jesus is, is now the new Moses. He's not only the new Moses, he's, he's greater than Moses. And the law is not obsolete anymore, but Jesus has now come to fulfill the law, that he comes to complete the law. Jesus is greater than Moses. They go talking about Aaron, who you had this amazing high priest, but guess what? You now have this eternal high priest who has literally turned the curtain in two and who gives you access to the Father who fills you with the Holy Spirit. Jesus is better than Aaron. He is our eternal high priest. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. And they go on to talk about the sacrifice of the Old Testament and, you know, and all the animals, and all the blood sacrifice and how that was needed and necessary for that time. But now Jesus has come, the one and perfect and eternal sacrifice that you don't have to go through these ritualistic uh, uh, outpourings anymore, that you don't have to, the tabernacle, the holy place is not designed just for one person at one place and one time, but the veil is torn in two. And because of Jesus' sacrifice, grace is accessible for all. That's pretty awesome. And so they remind them that it's all about Jesus. So when you ever wonder, is it worth it? Is it worth it? I don't know about you. When I'm asked that question, sometimes I like to power up and think about my own strength and, you know, kind of a problem solver. Well, here's the stuff that I can do. Here's the things that, here's the things that we can figure out. But, you know, there's this verse that I'm often reminded of that sometimes we don't like to quote in like leadership circles. It goes a little bit something like this. His power is made perfect in my what? In my weakness. Because it's in our place of weakness that we realize that we are insufficient. But that the all-sufficient one has come. It's in our powerlessness that we realize that we are imperfect. That we are prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. But the perfect one has come and he gives us his perfection. It's amazing. We make much of Jesus. So because of that, they're able to endure through persecution, through challenges. They're able to remain faithful because they have made much of Jesus. Just this verse here real quick in Hebrews 12. It says this in the ESV, the every sound version or the English English sound version. It says this. Many of you know it. Hebrews 12. This is after the exhortation. Now here's the charge. Here's Jesus is this beautiful. He's greater than Moses. He's greater than Aaron. He's the perfect eternal sacrifice. And because of all these things, therefore... Anytime there's a therefore, you got to wonder, why is the there therefore? Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run, let us run with endurance the race set out before us. You don't need endurance for short races. You need endurance for long races, for 40-year races. And look... And we don't run on our own strength. What does he say after that? Looking to who? Looking to Jesus. The founder, the perfecter of our faith. Our job is to make much of Jesus. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated now at the right hand of the throne of God. You guys have run an incredible race. And it's not the end of the race. This is not like a... We went to a restaurant today, and it was funny. There was a party next to us. And kind of like prophetically, they they were having a retirement party. There was a party. Remember, there was (laughs) balloons over there. We're like, hey, look at these balloons. Like, nope. The race is still set out before them. And the race isn't done. And the race goes on. You know, you might be wondering how I look so much in shape. I know you're wondering that, so... Uh, (laughs) 
When you're tall, you can really hide it really well. That's, that's part of the secret. But I kind of fancy myself a runner a little bit. I like to run every now and then. I was running on the path behind my parents' house yesterday. Uh, no big deal, just four and a half miles. Is no big, no big deal. <laughs> that's nothing. I need some help. But we were running, I was running along this path, and there was a group of turkeys that tried to jump out. And then there was a group of, of, of gophers that tried to jump out. And then there was some lizards and all this kind of crazy stuff that kind of tried to jump out. It's just reminded that when we run a race, it's not always easy. There are turkeys <laughs> that try to jump out. There are gophers that hide in little holes and try to come out. Everyone, there are these lizards that kind of come out. But what do we do? If you look down at the turkeys, you're going to trip on those turkeys all day long. If you try to follow that gopher, you're going to get stuck in that hole. And so what do we do? We fix our eyes on Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Just real quickly, um, Peter. I love Peter. Amazing. Peter says of Jesus, on you, Peter, I will build my church. The same Peter who he came to. Peter was a fisher, fisherman. You know, that, that means that he was an outcast, kind of. That means that he didn't have the grades to pass rabbi school. He, some other rabbi didn't pick him up. I mean, that's what, that's really, that's, he was out there fishing. He was doing manual labor. They, they would have gone to sort of rabbi school all the way up until like 12 or something like that. And then if they had it, then another rabbi would pick them up and the rabbis would say, come and follow me, which is to say, I think you could be just like me. Like, come and, come and learn. Peter didn't get that. But Jesus saw something in Peter and said, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men, Right. Come and follow me and I'll give you purpose. Come and follow me and I'll give you my agenda, the kingdom of heaven. Come and follow me and become fishers of men. But we know the story of Peter. One of the things I love about Peter is that he had a foot and mouth disease. He always is putting his foot in his mouth. Always getting things wrong. Always making a mistake. Most prominently, right, he denies Jesus three times. Right? Hey, you're with them. You're, you're followers of the way. I, I've never seen the man. I've never seen the man. Jesus is, rises from, from the dead, right? And he restores Peter on a beach on the Sea of Galilee, and there's, he's cooking fish, and there's a smell of this campfire that's happening, which Peter would have been immediately reminded of the night that he betrayed Jesus near a fireside. Like the, the smell would have triggered this memory of, man, I let Jesus down. I, 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 I messed it up. And Jesus is intentional. He creates this intentional space behind a, a campsite, behind a fireside, and begins to ask Peter, Peter, do you love me? Not once. Yes, you know I love you, Lord. Peter, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? A third time. Peter's maybe getting agitated a bit. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Very intentional. He denies him three times. He asks him the question three times. But what you notice, and, and he goes on to say, feed my sheep, right? And on you, I will build my church. But you notice what he doesn't ask him. He doesn't ask him, Peter, do you, do you love the church? That's not his first question. Peter, do you have an incredible teaching ministry? Peter, he doesn't even ask him, do you love the sheep first? The only thing he asks him, which I want to get back to, making most of Jesus, which you guys have done faithfully, is Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? See, your calling, your purpose, your vocation, your excitement for that could sustain you for a considerable amount of time. But unless it's met with the ever-sustaining love of Jesus and his power in your life, it won't be enough. So what is our vocation? It is to make most, the most of Jesus, to make much of Jesus. And again, just want to publicly say thank you. We love you for the ways in which you've shown us how to make most of Jesus in our lives. I, there's so many stories. I mean, 
I talk about my mom Wednesday prayer group for, for years and years and years. To have a mom who knows how to pray. Who think prayer is the priority. I could, we could be doing all kinds of stuff. But you know what? Every Wednesday for years and years and years, we are going to center around prayer. And there's not a Wednesday when I'm, not, when I'm leading a Wednesday prayer and intercession service myself where I don't think about that. When I don't think about that and how thankful I am that there was a mom who showed me what it means to pray. I'm so thankful that I have a dad who knows how to communicate and to preach God's word with excellency, but who knows how to live it out through every example of his life. I'm so thankful that I have a dad who showed me that church is important, but it's not the most important thing. That he was there at our games. Sometimes we had to leave games early on Wednesday night to get to church, but <laughs> pull me off the mound a couple of times. But there was always that balance, right, of... Yes, but church, but we never felt, we never felt a backseat, lesser, you know, like we weren't seen, like we weren't loved for, and we weren't cared for. And James and I, we can attest, we know a lot of pastor's kids that not only are they not vocationally in ministry, they're not around. And it's sad. And, it, and it's sad. And we're so thankful, the grace of the Lord on your lives to show us what it means to not only pastor well, but to parent really well. We're better for it. We're better parents for it. And it's, it's amazing to see what, what God has done when we make much of Jesus. Amen? Amen. 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 All right. James, or no, Lindy. Lindy's going to come up, say a couple things. Yeah. The girls wanted to come too, yeah. so we're all going to hang out up here. Um, you said a lot. Sorry. It's it <laughs> well done. Um, but yeah, we just wanted to take a minute just to say thank you um, to you both and also to so many of you that have been a huge part of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, you guys gave us our first roles in ministry, which this John kind of talked about a bit. Um, and that's a huge deal. I mean, it's a, it's a lot for people to, you know, take a chance on some young married people with zero skills and uh, put, them, put them in youth ministry. And um, we're still in ministry today because of that opportunity. And so thank you for that. Um, I think of Pastor Tom um, being able to play on the worship team with him. Lindy is a mean bass player. You may not know it, but she and can the bass, like, throw it I down. mean, the time that he spent giving bass lessons to a group of us. And yep. um, all, I mean, I play bass because of it. Like, that's yep. huge. Because of because of you guys, and so and Pastor Nancy, the the way that you've poured into our family, I mean, you guys have been, um, you've time. made a huge impact on our lives, and so mm -hmm. you know, thank you to all of you. Um, John mentioned this a bit, just stealing all my things. Sorry, um, but one of my favorite things I've I've told John about, but I even tell friends about, is just the way that they these two here pray for us. Um, there's just nothing like it to yeah. have, you know, when someone says they're going to pray for you, and you know that they are. Um, it means the world. And so that's something that we, um, I hope that we model to our kids. Um, and something that I've always said, uh, it's just so valuable to us. Like I, I know that they pray for us all the time and I know it makes a difference in our life. So thank you for loving us and for, um, always having us in your, um, in your hearts and your prayers and, and, and for taking care of us the way that you guys have.